Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to The Watching Dead, the officially unofficial podcast for The Walking Dead on AMC. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And we're back with a feedback episode for Season 11, Episode 1, Acheron Part 1. Uh, Aaron, this is kind of your show. You, you told me about one of the emails that we've got, which uh, sounds like fun. But <laughs> you also said that people uh, maybe not liking this episode the most. Yeah. I mean, there's uh, th- there's some silly shit. We talked about it, right? In the, the episode, yeah. there's like some pretty uh, you know, in- indefensible stuff. But uh, there was some some good stuff, too. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I'm ready to ready to macaron this Acheron episode. Uh, if you like, like to like the like the cookie. I don't know. I meant to say Mac or Mac on Mac on Mac this on this on. Yeah, mm. but I, I fucked it up uh, like I've done this in a podcast intro. So this is our feedback show since we are recording the episodes early and releasing them live. It's one of the things we've always had trouble with the screeners or early access stuff is like, how do you keep the feedback synchronized? So we're going to try something for this eight episode stretch. Um, just try something out to where we we divorce the feedback from the main podcast so that it's more timely and relevant. And we usually get enough. It's, it's a nice 25, 30 minute show. So we'll see how that goes. Um, and if it works out, it might be useful for when we're covering uh, the boys on Amazon Prime, because we usually get screeners for that uh, later in the year. I'm hoping that the expanse comes back. We get screeners for that. So there, it might be a better way to do feedback. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, if you'd like to send in your feedback to the show, it's easy. Watching dead at baldmove.com is where you want to see it. Um, I'll pull all that feedback in and uh, we'll talk about it. Like so. First up, Eric from Massachusetts says, hey, guys, I just finished watching the Here's Negan episode. And I guess whoever made this episode must love Vince Gilligan's universe as much as I do, because I caught at least two blatant shots lifted right out of the Breaking Bad Better Call Saul universe. First, there was Negan digging holes uh, to find his bat with a time lapse shot showing how many dug, just like Mike in a season three episode slip on Better Call Saul. Do you remember that one where we went mm-hmm. out in the desert with the metal? To the, I can't remember. I don't know the context of it, but I did remember. Oh, uh, and yeah. Eric, Eric sends a side by side shots and it's it is pretty, pretty on the nose. Mm-hmm. And then so this is something I actually had my, my notes to talk about, but sometimes I don't get to everything that I want to. He said, second, when Negan's wife gets her cancer diagnosis, her reaction is just like Walt's reaction when he got his cancer news, you know, with the like uh, sound dropped out, the bomb going off, tinnitus noise. Um, Yeah. He says, these can't be coincidences. Come on, Walking Dead, at least steal from a different network. Um, Is this theft or is this a deliberate homage? Yeah, it's probably more the latter. I'm willing to give him that. Uh, there are plenty of other things to complain about in this episode than the thieving shots 
from better shows. Yeah, I feel like it, it, this is like really hazy and I can't back this up, but I feel like when we were covering Mad Men and Breaking Bad and The Walking Dead all more or less simultaneously, because there was that, you know, glorious stretch where just like one fucking prestige show is like it's like chain smoking a man, just like the, the one is why the other was starting. And I felt like there was a couple of nods like in character names and like shots and stuff where they were all kind of like paying. Um, I remember um, one popular theory is that the Gus's fate at season four was kind of like a callback to the walking dead. Um, yes, but I, I thought I remembered. So it wouldn't be the first time. And I kind of like it. I kind of like it uh, when HBO shows kind of pay homage to each other with characters and, and um, a lot of times restaurant names, things like that. I think it's cool. I think it's fun. What they should have done if they really wanted to go in on it is do shovel cam like the Tucker uh digging scenes they should yeah. add negan out there yeah do, doing the the i don't know get strap a gopro to a shovel and just what are you do what that. are you digging for you know that's <laughs> <laughs> how you tell you trap a method mm-hmm. um todd b has an issue with negan and here it is i understand that jeffrey dean morgan is a popular actor and audiences enjoy his performances but there's certain things you just don't come back from mass murder. One of those things. This happens all the time on TV. Villains are fun to watch. Actors have a big fan base. So shows try like crazy to redeem these characters and keep them viable long term. Life just doesn't work that way, though. Nobody's going to say, well, Charlie Manson isn't killing people anymore these days. He even did something heroic just recently. Let's let bygones be bygones. No, that's all well and good. And maybe a villain can change for the better, but they still have to pay for their crimes. I'm never going to get past Negan bashing Glenn over the head and laughing about it. I'm never going to just hand wave that away and say, oh, well, he's not like that anymore. I don't care how popular or fun to watch Jeffrey Dean Morgan is. I realize this may put me in the minority, but maybe not. Numbers don't lie and ratings for the show have plummeted. It feels very much like the show thinks that Negan can take over as a male lead with Rick gone based on uh, JDM star power or something. I'm not buying it. And apparently lots of others aren't buying it either. Yeah, we just talked about this um, in a podcast we recorded yesterday on Invincible. Right. And right. the the subject of can a character be redeemed came up. Um, and is there a point beyond which they can't be? And I, I think there's certainly a case to be made for like some people will just never, you know, look at that character in the same light again or in, in a positive light after some of the things they've done. But I think there's also the case to be made that we should um, strive toward that, because if not, what do you want? I mean, if anybody like you say, you know, there's certainly a space for characters to be redeemed, but they have to pay the price uh, for the consequences. They have they have to suffer something. And. uh, okay, but what does that mean for someone who has murdered someone, for instance, because the, the price there that you probably should pay is the sort of eye for an eye thing right right i mean is that the price you're talking about and then where does the redemption come from because that's not possible at that point so i i don't know i'm i'm of the opinion that we should lean more toward redemption in our society but when it comes to fiction these can be aspirational stories right these can be stories of like yes these are bad people but also we want to strive toward um you know, allowing people who make mistakes or even intentionally do awful things to truly have changes of heart and become, you know, productive within our society again. In the real world, I understand it's far more complicated. 
because there are a lot of people who are directly hurt by these things and might want some other form of justice, quote unquote. Yeah. So, yeah, it gets messy in the real world. But in fiction, I, I feel like there's a lot more room to redeem evil characters. I agree. And I think it's like, you know, some of the stuff you mentioned, the eye for eye, tooth for tooth standard. Like there was a you know time thousands years ago where that was the gold standard for justice, man. Right. Um, and I talked about um, I can't remember where I talked about this, but like this this ooga booga moment where like you cannot conceive of a way society can progress beyond the way it is. Like if you went back to caveman and he's like, you know, I know I know thag that that grand over there killed your brother and you just want to bash his brains in with their axe. And, and but but if you do that, it's going to set off a decades long conflict between the two tribes. And it is and, and what you really need to do is designate a cave as a correctional facility. And you need to send grand over there and he needs to they, they'd be like, they just yeah, just bash your brains in with an axe and get on with it, you know? Yeah. Um, but we've gone beyond that. And I, I feel like that there's some of this stuff like Charlie Manson, for example, let's say a zombie apocalypse broke out and kills everybody in prison. He's the lone survivor. He walks the earth. He falls in with an Alexander type thing and he leaves a peaceful life and he becomes a community leader. Um, is that possible? Probably not because I think Charlie Manson is actually fucking crazy. Yeah, yeah. But like guys like Negan were like they were made crazy because of the world and you know they, they like they, they it's like temporary insanity or guess like that. Um, Circumstantial or even a, insanity, yeah. Right, or even like a Breaking Bad example. There was that uh, the, the group leader of the addiction um, support group that Jesse went to. You know, he yeah. got so high he backed over his child in the driveway, killed him. Mm-hmm. I don't think he went to jail for that, but like even without this criminal punishment, how do you move on from fucking up that bad? Mm-hmm. You know, do you just blow your brains out or do you find a way to make a positive contribute contribution in your life, even though you did bad things that had very bad consequences? I think that yeah. stuff is fascinating. And you're right. It doesn't work in the real world half because of the Ooga Booga shit and half because you know, like that Charlie Manson, the only way he would ever get pulled that off is if like everyone that knew he was a shit had died. You know? Right. Right. Um, and here with TV and everything, there's no one's going to get that luxury of, of outliving their infamy. But I think it's an interesting concept to think about. Um, mm. Just like, what are we trying to do with justice? And is it justice to have a guy like Negan rotten ground or rotten a cell when he could do so much more on the outside? Um, yeah. But uh, that is what the fiction loves to do that. I mean, this is Jamie Lannister. Um, this is like, yeah, every popular uh, uh, villain that has a, a face or a heel face turn. Sure. Yeah. And I can also see why it upsets a lot of people because mm-hmm. Negan was a fucking bastard. Psychopath. For sure. Man. Um, let's move on to Eric Y. For the most part, I like the Acheron part one episode. I do think it's a bit jarring with Negan's character compared to the Here's Negan episode, but I guess it's due to the production schedule. Maybe there's some overlap. I don't know. Uh, I know we talked about this a little bit, but I guess it bears repeating. Um, I don't know why they're doing this with Negan. They did such a really like, and obviously it didn't work for everybody because it didn't work for Todd. But I felt like they did a really beautiful arc with him and his wife where he was ready to start fighting for her the way she wanted him to. Mm -hmm. And I don't think this is the way she would want him to do it in this episode. I don't think so. Is it just because like Negan doesn't think that Maggie will ever change her mind about him? 
But I think this is where, like, to be a really good person, Negan has to weigh his life against hers and be like, you know, is taking her out to cement my legacy in the village worth, you know, uh, making her child an orphan? Yeah. Double, a double orphan, and it's my fault both times. Like, I feel like real progress would be like, you know what? I'm going to roll the dice, and there's enough good people here to kind of keep her in line, and maybe she can see my, maybe learn to forgive me, or at least look past it. Like, I feel yeah. like that's the heroic one. And, Maybe that's too much of a hairpin turn, but I feel like it's a story they were telling. Yeah, it's a story they've been telling for a couple seasons now, right? Yeah. And he's, you know, for better or worse, like sometimes he gets pushed a little and he Mm -hmm. likes to shine people like Boston Rob and Aaron and even Daryl on to kind of like rub their face in it that like, I'm really kind of guy you can trust. Um, And honestly, the Alexander groups fucked him over more than he's fucked them in the last few years. I mean, think of stuff that (laughs) Carol's pulled and I, so I, yeah, I, uh, I, I I don't know. I think that um, they I, I I'm not sure exactly. And that's just the thing that, you know, we talked about our fears for the season. Like, I don't know just because Kang has kind of crushed it um, for the vast majority of the last two seasons doesn't mean that she will keep doing it mm-hmm. in the face of budget cuts in the face of AMC kind of like going on and looking at movie deals and, you know, YA version of The Walking Dead and Carol and Daryl spinoff and you know, like not being able to get out of their own way to like kind of keep some of this under wraps so you can maintain the mystery of, but I, I, I yeah, I don't know. Uh, we'll see. That's why we're here to see how this is going to go and to fucking serve it up. Right. If it don't, uh, finally it says, was anyone else hoping to see Heath's key card on that bulletin board in the Commonwealth? <laughs> you're holding out too much hope for the key card it's hilarious every time we get one of these emails it's like oh man this is the time i thought the key card would come back no no you got to get off that train it's past the station i got i I, okay i'll say this gang i think you owe us the key card (laughs) and it's it's something like this it needs to be just like on a desk or something we just need to see it and like maybe heath was here maybe he wasn't but we i think yeah i think that would be hilarious that would be a quality easter egg and this would this would have been a great example a place to put it you know just mm-hmm. as you're panning over everything it's just like stuck in there yeah when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply uh matt c says i wanted to be excited for this season of the walking dead i really did other than one or two of the final episodes of season 10 though i really thought the show started falling back into some of the familiar long-standing issues we all know of compound that the bonus episodes for me were really something of a new low some of the worst output this show has managed and that's really saying something not one of them actually felt like an episode just the sort of thing that should have been a 10 minute blu-ray extra a youtube short stretched out way beyond the breaking point i I agree with that, except for the first episode and the last episode. I thought those actually had a story that they were telling, and it's a story that probably needed to be told. But like largely, yeah. Um, Nulo, I don't know, but it did feel like a return to season like seven, eight kind of levels of not giving a fuck. Yeah, which was pretty bad. 
that was pretty bad. That was pretty bad. And, you know, the, the, and padded out like some of those season seven and seven, uh, you know, remember when they had the like all special, a uh, 90 minute episode that turned out to be like 48 minutes long with like packed full of ads. It felt like all that, except for in a, a regular length episode of the walking dead. Yeah. Uh, so how do we open a season one with a supply raid at a zombie bedtime? Please stop treating me. The viewer as a total idiot. This entire concept makes no sense at all. Unless I missed it. Zombies are not all hunkered down. Like they have a little nap together. Any point in the preceding 10 seasons. It's not even getting to Carol. Then deciding at the last minute to wander back into the fray because there was one or two pot noodles. They missed. Um, maybe, maybe this was a Jim Jones type situation where all these soldiers just like drank the Kool-Aid. Oh, committed suicide. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder what did they just starve in? No, no, they're no. surrounded by meals ready to eat. Right. There's no way they starved. Uh, maybe it got too hot in there. <laughs> maybe it, you know, like the people dying in the cars It just, uh, you know, metal building. No, I, but I will say that like, no, no lurkers have been a thing in this show from the beginning. Zombies that are so have been uh, away from human contact so long that they've become emaciated and just kind of dead to stimulus. You saw this when Rick went into Atlanta in season one, the guy who uh, peeled Herschel's leg off in season two was, you know, pinned up in those catacombs that hadn't been in there for like months, if not years. And so it's it's definitely and even Kang in the 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 bonus material of the or what do they call that? The after episode just talking yeah. about how that's something of the zombie lord that they want to get back to because you can set some cool set pieces. So, like, I don't have a problem with it. I thought it was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and this seemed appropriate. Like, I, I guess the only thing like I, I missed on the podcast. Um, I don't see how this place hasn't been ransacked. You know, it's an army base loaded with food and supplies and weapons. Yeah. And it's a tough nut to crack for sure, but we've seen several groups with this kind of firepower that could have done it. You know, mm-hmm. like the saviors are they're too fucking afraid to go or like Rick Alexander when they had a whole bunch of bullets and shit too afraid to go uh, take this place out. I, I don't know. That's why I, I have more like foundation, like rewind and, and come up with this situation. How, how did this happen? You know, 10, what, what are we? How far are we? Seven, eight years after the apocalypse? Oh, like. 12 at least wasn't it wasn't it a dozen years since neon's uh whole episode right so i yeah but but um i think they're right like these lurk this lurker concept has a lot of legs that make zombies fundamentally more scary than when you can hear them coming you know from 100 yards away right yeah i mean that's what's scary about like a (laughs) of a wheat field or, you know, just a field of tall grass in this world is like, what's in it? You know, are there are there 500 walkers laying in that field? Am I going to have to, you know, watch where I step or potentially, you know, wake up an entire herd that's slumbering? You just don't know. And it gives you things like, you know, it's like the safe way to do it is to throw an alarm clock in there mm-hmm. and wait till it goes off and then move in. But like, what if you're pressed? What if you're running away from the living and you have to and you see tall grass and, you know, it's like, well, we don't have time to do that the right way. Right. It's like going through a minefield with the metal detector versus just running through it and hoping. And so there's like I said, it, it opens up a lot of dramatic possibilities. And I think it is it's apps here's the the thing is like i don't want to blame kang for bringing back old zombie lore from the bible of the early show i want to blame the other showrunners that never thought to give these kind of like interesting kind of setups because this shit would have made a lot of sense in like a season three season like like alexander early alexander arc you know so yeah it seems like they were on the stealth walker kick for like (sighs) 
five seasons. Walking through the woods, Walker mm-hmm. pops up out, out of frame, instantly growling as soon as he gets on. Yeah, yeah, we we know. Yeah. Um, and then it's the overriding setup of uh, the plot for season eleven. Matt continues. It's just the same thing again. Something, something. Another group of bad guys. Internment camp at the Death Star, yeah. in particular, raising the worst feelings of deja vu. And like I said, the Death Star line trying to be funny, but then they literally do the Star Wars kidnap routine, except for they yada yada the, you know, part where there's a weapons malfunction, et cetera. <laughs> uh, the subway subplot was fine. OK, it's the main plot, but subway subplot sounds good. But essentially, I'm just sat here like I, and I felt like I was watching a computer game move from task one, defeat boss two, continue on. My only takeaway from the episode really was that Negan's leaving Maggie section. And any thoughts about where that might lead were instantly sort of ruined by the teaser section for episode two. Hmm. Anyway, thanks for the podcast. It's the only thing that kept me watching the show and keeping some level of enjoyment. I bailed out when you did and returned to the series when you did as well. Oh, God, we got blood <laughs> on our hands, Jim. <laughs> yeah, brought you back in. <laughs> and I did really enjoy season nine and the time shift. Maybe they can pull this around. But for now, my expectations for this final season are firmly at rock bottom. Honestly, that's not a bad place for the Walking Dead expectations to be. You know? <laughs> sure. Half the reason I think we had so much fun with nine is we came back thinking that it was going to be just a more lazy turd. And uh, and again, it's not like there weren't lazy turds to be found. It's just you could kind of pick your way around them. Mm-hmm. Where in previous scenes is like, why would you want to? You know, no, um, I, I agree with that um, last half of that email where, you know, he's talking about the same thing happening again here in the final season that's happened in every season. New big bad to fight. Oh, and we're going to, you know, do the same fighting that we've done for the last 11 seasons. I I agree with that. I think we were both hoping for something else out of the final season. I know this is very early on. It's the first damn episode, but it doesn't set a good precedent for what the rest of the season is going to be because we have the precedent of the previous 10 seasons that have just been find new big bad, fight new big bad, beat new big bad, rinse, repeat. Yeah, I guess I feel like it's a little bit different This Commonwealth, the scale of it, if nothing else. And the fact that like we've seen lots of totalitarian assholes in the apocalypse promising peace and security for, you know, essentially sovereignty. Well, I was talking about the Reapers, not necessarily the oh, Commonwealth. Oh, OK. Yeah, OK. Well, the Reapers, sure. I don't even know what the fuck is up with them. They're just like an attack. They might they they might even just be like the serve the narrative purpose of driving Maggie into Alexandria, right? Could be. Um, but I don't like, yeah, I don't, I, you're right. I, I guess I'm not really interested in the Reapers. It's all about yeah. the Commonwealth and like, for sure, what's that deal? Cause we've seen, like I said, we've seen a lot of mad men and women promise peace and security for essentially slavery and they don't deliver it, you know, mm-hmm. that's, but like maybe these guys are, you know, kind of that way, but in, in, in like a, the Ooga Booga kind of way, like they've, they, they had a strong man and it's kind of worked and like, maybe it kind of sucks if you bucket the system, but if you fit into the system, then it's good. And I, I don't know, like I, I, it'd be interesting to see that, um, like kind of Rick's Alexandria's like egalitarian kind of society going against a pure utilitarian one, because like the differences mm-hmm. in those shades of gray are, are a lot, or I think are a lot harder to detect for people. So and that's that kind of interesting, you know, rebuilding of society. Uh, what form does that take? Uh, and having like two competing versions of that makes a lot of sense. I guess yeah. before that was kind of coming from Maggie, right? Where yeah. we were saying, okay, what is the hilltop going to do about their government versus Andrea- Alexandria's government? 
that was interesting, but then they just took that off the table. Yeah. Uh, now it seems like it might be back with the Commonwealth. Also, the power disparity. Like, yeah. every time the Rick has come against something like Terminus, something like uh, the Saviors, uh, you always think, like, well, it might be a tough battle, but they can do it. Mm-hmm. I don't see how they have a fight against the Commonwealth. Have They're we seen the Commonwealth so much... even shoot a single bullet? Do we know that well, they have ammunition? That This could be like very much wizard of oz where they like have this kind of shock kind of like i you know this is the old story of um you know like different different regimes would have like even like north korea today has a very nice part of pyongyang where they'll take journalists to to make sure like you know north korea's supermarkets are full yeah there's no there's no people starving here there's no slave camps what are you talking about look how happy everyone is um (laughs) so like it definitely could be that it definitely could be a front to kind of cow people and maintain the illusion of control yeah um but that's but but like if 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 it's not if this is just an irresistible force like then alexander's only hope if if they want to maintain their lifestyles like some sort of revolution that they foment within and that's kind of interesting thing um could be like it's it's got to be an ideological because like there's been ideological warfare, you know, in this show, like, you know, Rick's way versus Savior's way, the Whispers versus Alexandrians. But it's always like it's never been like, you know, you you win hearts and minds. You just essentially have to kill the other side yeah. until they give up. Right. Mm-hmm. It'd be interesting if you have to, like, you know, foment something, um, some insurrection. I, that'd be kind of cool. But I, I don't yeah. know. Like, there's so many different ways they could they could take that direction. I think. Yeah, the Reapers maybe is more the same, but they're much less interesting than the Commonwealth, I think. Can I throw a piece of feedback in here? Uh, yes. Feedback of my own, because I have a question what you think about Alexandria and its current state, because they're painting a picture of Alexandria just being totally useless as a fortification. A kingdom part two. You know, Somehow. Like, oh, I just have to abandon it. Beta just fucking tore every single wall down. It's it, It's irreparable yeah, with, with the manpower and tools that they have like he broke their tools I don't know did he like go around snapping hammer Dude, handles but I feel I feel like they could have done a better job of showing like them like salting the earth or something yes or somehow like, setting make us the understand. walls on fire so that someone could come on and like there's just too much metal fatigue yeah they're standing but like you know you can just push them over because but but yeah, um, it just I seems don't... weird to me how, you know, useless Alexandria has become. Is this a possibility that Alexandria is not even going to be the place that they're living here in a few episodes? Because either they take uh, shit. What's the name? Is it like Meridian or something? What? Meridian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Either they take Meridian or they go to the Commonwealth once Eugene and and everybody else get back i mean they keep on saying that alexander has nothing in the way of food and water so like right. if meridian does and you've ran off the marauders then why wouldn't you just yeah why wouldn't you set up shop there that's a good question um and i think it's it's indicative of a little bit of the sloppiness of the last season that we're even asking this question and we we had a couple like that this was uh even really good shows sometimes bungle this because of budget or whatever like remember last season and the expanse when something big happened and the question was, well, exactly how fucked up is this place anyway? Yeah. Is this like, you know, minor inconvenience? Is this mm-hmm. massive refugees? Is this place in uninhabitable now? And I'm trying right. not to spoil it for those you fucking people need to watch Expanse because it's the best show on TV right now. Um, but like I they they flubbed that pretty hard, too. And we eventually kind of yeah. caught up because the way. But like. Yeah, I think they really bungled that because we should know. We should know mm-hmm. because of dialogue. We should know because of looking around. 
and and right now like it it doesn't look like it, it yeah it's like it's the same way that i kind of felt like the hilltop it's like shit the walls are still standing like yeah it's going to need some elbow grease and have to build but like what about the farmland yeah what about like that's the shit that's really valuable you know like fuck why aren't you guys at the savior's complex anymore mm-hmm. because it was shit you couldn't grow anything I had a big right. sturdy structure lots of security but like fuck i i don't know um mark d Someday I would love to hear your rundown of the dumbest scenes in a show's run and why the gym full of sleeping zombies is the clear winner. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why do people hate the sleeping zombies so much? I don't did, know. They, did they forget the lurkers existed or is it the show's fault? They haven't showcased them in like seven seasons. I mean, I guess it's just the idea that like, how does this happen? How, how does yeah. a gym full of military personnel surrounded by MREs and ammunition just up and die in a way that isn't traumatic to their bodies. Yeah, I um and especially when you're talking about um this being a major metropolitan area. Mm-hmm. You know, like the Washington D the greater DC, Baltimore, Maryland area. Uh in fact, I'm going to go ahead and uh switch to Marcus from Virginia who has a first-hand account of this frustration. Says, I stopped watching the show when you did for all the reasons you did. But one of the things that really bothered me uh, about the show, I've never heard mentioned. I live in northern Virginia, Alexander and the surrounding areas, a bustling metropolitan area with hospitals, malls, apartments. You know, you get it. However, they portray it as a backwoods filled with shacks and one horse towns, feed stores. Not the show's biggest problem, but you understand. I also came back. I also came back to the show with Bald Move and I've been enjoying it. And I'd finally gotten over the way my area is displayed, but now they're going to fucking Bethesda by way of the Shady Grove Metro. Bethesda is a city that borders on D.C., and I'm already pissed that they're going to make it look like a farm town with a plantation or some shit like that. I guess I'll find out. Hmm. Thanks for all you do. I've been listening to you guys uh, since you got started. I'll be a club member for life because I think of you two as friends I've never met. Great work, guys. Well, thank you. Um, I think this gets in the heart of it because... They're still in the backwoods of Georgia in real life. Yeah. And do you know how much cheaper it is to dress a, a wooded area yeah. as the apocalypse a, as opposed to a city as the apocalypse? Yeah. Or like an abandoned farmer's co-op depot mm-hmm. that, you know, a granary that doesn't exist anymore. An some unused train station. Yeah. Machine shop that rolled out, you know, the, the, that stopped business in 1978. And it's got, I mean but it sucks mm-hmm. and I've, I've often wondered if like because you know cincinnati is becoming our, our fair city the queen city is becoming a little bit of a bustling cinema um town it's kind of reminding me of like albuquerque 15 years ago or you know uh atlanta 10 years ago and we've got some great uh authentically dilapidated urban architecture that really successfully passes off for places like brooklyn we have an abandoned subway that no one fucking uses like our property values are for the time being really low. Uh, c- come, come out here and, and uh, st- set some uh, zombie apocalypse shit out in, in the Queen City because I, I get it. It's, this, is, this is not anything like what these places actually look or representative to geography or, or anything like that. So yeah, when you got a, a major army base at the heart of the American empire and surrounded by just a clusterfuck of megatropolises that is the eastern seaboard yeah. and this place is a pristine like oh yeah you gotta kill 50 mooks and bulletproof vest or some shit but like 
it is a little hard to believe. A little yeah. hard to believe. Yeah. And if you miss, that's the other thing about Carol, like missing the bowls of soup. Come back in force and clean this place out, man. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you create a risk. choke point to lure them out. Come, It'd be get easy. All those It'd be rifles. Easy. Get all that ammunition. Get all that stuff. Get all the grenades. Like, this is a big fucking find. So, anyway. Yeah. But they need to tell the story that they have to go to Meridian. So, that's what we're happening. Um, okay. Going back to Mark D. The rundown of the dumbest scenes in the show's run. I gotta say, in my mind, the thing that always jumps out is is using Glenn like a fucking fishing hook to get a rotted zombie out of a well. It is kind of the golden standard, yeah. Because it's like it's like I it's like they literally tried the first thing they could think of and were all out of ideas. Like and it was doomed. It was never going to work anyway. Was he going to do hug this walker and pull it out of the well? I. Yeah, yeah, it never God, made think, a damn bit of sense. He was he's going to like like lasso it and loop it. And like, you know, the thing is, is like not only it's did gonna this pull it apart and you're just going to chunks of Walker. Yeah, it's stupid. It did. It did. They like they like evacuated this zombies rotted guts into the well. So they super mm-hmm. polluted it. They didn't accomplish their. It was a dumb idea. No one thought like, OK, OK, before we send one of our survivors into a pit with a fucking zombie. Is can can we try something else? Can we try to like even if someone said harpoon it with a pitchfork, that would still have been a better idea than just trying to dangle Dent Glenn down there in the first place. So that's I think that's like the my gold standard for like this was when The Walking Dead still was taken seriously by critics and shit, mm-hmm. and they trot this stuff out. This isn't like fucking shit they did when they ran out of ideas after ten years. This right. was like this isn't Mazera's Mazera's best idea. Yeah, uh, I mean every scene with Jadis sucked pretty much. Um, but yeah, <laughs> there are a lot of those early ones too. Like I think of Carl getting out of the house when like everybody's just kind of in there and he just wanders out child, the front door. One child to watch. Right, you've already lost one of them, uh, uh, for, and uh, the, there, there's a ton of adults. And then another one, another standout early stupid scene is Lori just driving down the road. All of a sudden. I, I, she hits like an evil Knievel stunt ramp that's been abandoned in the street and flips the fucking car. Yeah, yeah. I don't or, know if I could flip my car if I tried. Or Andrea, the civil rights attorney, that decides, you know, damn it, I'm going to start shooting now. And my first target will be Daryl Dixon. And I'll almost blow his head off with everyone screaming, don't do it, don't do it. Like, I swear to God, there's, there's so many AMC shows, I think, stealth were trying to get people to hate women. <laughs> Because like, yeah, I, it seems like there's a lot of uh, I think Shane, you can you can pin the Glenn dangle mostly on Shane. But like, yeah, mm-hmm. a lot of the big the big boners were poor Lori and Andrea and, and uh, people like that. Mm-hmm. I think if there's more like, I know there's a lot more stupid things, but uh, a ton of them. I mean, if if you just want to talk about like confusing, shitty things, there's the Nicotero day to night cycle thing that we always talk oh, about out sure, in the town. Sure. Sometimes uh, rain, sometimes not. Yeah. Uh, I, I, and this is like in the quote unquote good era of Kang, but those first few Rick episodes of season nine had some like the, the you know, the whole meme of like the blacksmith needing the whole Constantinoga <sighs> wagon. The rating of the it. museum was so stupid. <laughs> and especially since, did you see any of those fucking wagons ever? No, what you saw was cars sawed in half. Yeah. The blacksmith still never was able to get a good a good functioning wagon together. He's just cobbling it together from fucking half of a pickup truck and half of a Ford the Ford Corolla. 
a Toyota Corolla. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's yeah. So yeah, there's there's been there's been some stupid stupid ass scenes. I remember I can't remember exactly why, but like Maggie and Glenn going through that zombie tunnel, like insisting oh, right. that that was like I remember that being like, but why? Why is this the only you know kind of the same way with the the subway this time? So, mm-hmm. um, but the sleeping zombies, I don't know. I don't know if that makes the top the top five. Maybe yeah, the top not 10, for me. Though. Uh, Dylan Q says one issue regarding Walker rules I saw in this episode was that the walkers in the bags weren't making noise because their throats had been slit. Mm-hmm. I know that in the past we've seen walkers who had been decapitated making noise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Herschel's walker head in the beginning of season four, episode nine comes to mind. I think all every of every head on the spike. I was just saying that at the at the, yeah. at the whisperer border. Yeah. Yeah, I get what they're going for, but they could have just used walkers being in plastic bags as a reason they could barely hear them. Yeah, that bothered me, too. It's like hmm. fire used to kill zombies. You know, he, brain damage he, used to kill zombies, but one of the one of the show didn't run, do it. One of the show runners, I think it was Mazera in season two, excused the scene by saying, well, you know, it gets 160, 170 degrees in a car in Georgia. So those zombies right. brains just microwaved in there. Mm-hmm. And then like same guy, like a season later, has got like zombies melted into the pavement from fire, detaching themselves from their skeletons and getting up and walking around like, what the fuck is going on? You yeah. Know? Um, now I think zombies are pretty much fireproof. Like you have to burn them until they can no longer like ambulate. Probably <laughs> get them down to skeletonize them. I don't know. Uh, Dylan continues. I was genuinely impressed uh, by the episode and it gave me hope for the final season up until the ending with Maggie and Negan. At this point, I would be hard to convince me that any of the survivors would keep Negan alive after the next episode. No heroic act could redeem him as he's instigating Maggie by mocking her husband who he brutally murdered and then leaving Maggie for dead. I really like Negan's character development up until this point, and it sucks to see them destroy it in one episode. Yeah, I assume that they've always wanted to keep Je- uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan around because he's one of their best actors. But at this point, I'm convinced they're going to kill him off the first eight episodes of the season. Um, Certainly a he, way to go with it. I wouldn't, yeah. wouldn't necessarily be disappointed if they can do that well, but yeah. I don't. Yeah, man, I don't know. I. I, I try to push back against the stuff I think I can push back, but I like I'm with you. I think that what they've done to Negan, the whiplash that they've done, um, maybe it's one of those things where they took a long time off. And they're like, you know what? We didn't we're not too far along this arc. And we thought of something better, but this doesn't feel better. And my analysis, I'm with you. Like, I think the next 20 minutes of this episode are going to be like excruciating because number one none of us really buys and Maggie's dead. Mm-hmm. Number two, Negan's going to be trying to argue like if Honestly, if he hadn't said anything, if he hadn't called anybody out, he I don't know that anyone would have thought anything about this. Yeah. But like calling her out in the way he did is going to have people calling for his blood. And who's going to be saying no? Like, I, I really want to know who's going to be the, that's going to be like, now, wait a minute um, in, in this group. So, yeah, because it's probably not Daryl. Daryl's under the fucking subway. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Who the fuck is in this group? That we even give a shit about, aside from Negan. Casey Jones? Nope. I said give a shit about. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, even have a useful nickname for? Uh, Right. Shoulders? You know. Yeah, shoulders? Yeah, shoulders. Shoulders will say a good word for Negan. He's a, no. (laughs) He doesn't know him. 
he's she's he's relying on Daryl coming up and being like, hey, don't kill that. You know, that's my job uh, or like Maggie forgiving him or something. But like, why would she? I, I don't know. Yeah. It's hmm. it's going to be maybe they'll do something slick with it. But I really predict the, the first 20 minutes of the next show going to be kind of pretty eye rolly. And unfortunately, it feels like a self-inflicted wound. Mm-hmm. Like it didn't have they had a, a better place to start from. I felt like with the, with the bonus episodes, ironically enough. Um, Dylan concludes, by the way, I was one of those people who works near D.C. and recognize the metro lines, which was really exciting. Shady Grove is at top of the is at the top of the red line and the path Negan told path Negan told them to take seemed to be pretty accurate. I don't think the All other right. name on the wall is real, so I think they may be a way to add some ambiguity to their exact location. Okay, because gotcha. I was wondering that. I sh- I saw Shady Grove, but that Phylon or whatever py- Python or whatever, I I couldn't find anything about. So, mm-hmm. um, and if I was a show, I would definitely, unless I was willing to really take the time to do a good facsimile of a city, I would try to do that shit, like make it a little bit skewed so people can't try to find the actual corners and stuff, you know. Is it like an anagram for anything? Is it? Is there like? Hmm. It, does it spell anything backwards? Lord Voldemort. <laughs> okay, sure. <laughs> so it's a Harry Potter reference for no yeah. reason. <laughs> yeah, just like the Breaking Bad. You know, there's there's dude pop culture references. Mm-hmm. Um, Zoe, we got a brand new emailer here, uh, and this will be the last one. Zoe, I don't understand when cliffhangers became the cardinal sin of television. Be fair, I didn't live through in real time the who gets the bat cliffhanger and mm-hmm. Netflix has auto loaded me the answer in like nine seconds. So I guess I can't speak to how shitty it was to wait to find out. Yeah. Like, isn't a point of TV that we're invested? Maybe my bandwagon is showing and in two to three business days when I don't still know if Maggie died, I'll hate on AMC too. But for now, <laughs> we're in a mutually beneficial relationship. Um, I think you're right. Except for I do think that you might be insulated from some of the things that we went through as real time fans. For sure. Because I I would say, like, if you want to pinpoint when it became too much for me, it was probably that scene. Yeah. Um, And like then if that wasn't enough, like there was the fact that like they did the fake out and then they Negan bashed someone else and then they went back and did the comic book thing. But first only after they put Glenn under a dumpster. Mm -hmm. So they had him dead and they unrealistically resurrected him just to do the thing that they did. And and the the whole idea is, well, we didn't we wanted to subvert the comics, the comic fans, man. That is this like I we haven't I haven't ranted about this in a good long while. So buckle up, kids. Yeah, that's the stupidest fucking argument from a showrunner I've ever heard. Yeah, because I've never been in a fandom where the people that read the source material were more than a tenth, usually more like a hundredth of the overall fucking fan base. Like the 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 peak of Walking Dead subscription numbers in the United States was like one hundred and twenty five thousand circulation. Maybe give another million for people who read the fucking omnibuses and shit. This thing had 18 million people watching it. And yeah. you're trying to preserve twist for like the 0.01%. What the fuck? This would be so, like if the novelization of Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back, had Vader say, no, I am your uncle. Right. What? What? Yeah, or Why? for what purpose? Well, father, we didn't want to do the same thing as the movie. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. So how are you yeah, going to change yeah, everything yeah. else to reflect that and make it match up yeah. with Star Wars? Oh, we're not. Or, or, or Sean Bean not losing his head because, yeah, you know, people expected it, you know, right, like, right. 
come on, come on. And that's always been an excuse and it's always been bullshit because the real reason is like this show had so many seasons of every fucking set amortized and it didn't matter like what the writers broke down. It was always the fucking cart leading the horse instead of the other way around. Well, so also, I mean, I, I buy when they say like we wanted to subvert expectations. I totally mm-hmm. buy that. That is the reason they did it. But the reason behind that reason is because we wanted to shock everybody and we wanted to like use that shock as like the driving force of our show. Right. The show was a show that was only built on that shock value, not yeah. solid storytelling, not solid characterization, not solid uh, anything. It was just shock. And that's all they were going for in that moment. And they lost everything else. Well, and that's because, again, you're trying to shock the point one percent. Like the way Game of Thrones handled it is like ninety nine percent of people were like, no, God. And yet the one percent of book readers like looking through the window, like, ha ha. Yes. Ha ha ha. You know, like enjoying. Right. Like, fuck. Yes. This is awesome. That's the tension you want. You want the comic book people like. Oh, yeah, you fuckers are about to get it. Yeah, you just got it. And you want the television people melting down and like having you don't want the comic book people being like, well, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. And then the show, the television people going like, well, what the fuck? And then six minutes later, you do the thing that you're trying to subvert in the first place. As so a like, television watcher and a movie watcher, I've never looked at a thing on screen that I really loved and then found out that the book did the exact same thing and went, ah, eh, it sucks. Not for me. I wish they would have changed it. <laughs> as a book slash comic book fan, I've never been watching an adaptation and being like, you know what? This fucking thing clove a little too close to the material. Right. You know, I was right. really hoping they would zig when I was expecting. You know, I was this was just playing out like the movie version of the thing I love, like I've always wanted to see. But, you know, a little too faithful. Just a little bit yeah. too faithful. The viewers have no here. expectations. The readers just want to see the thing they love on screen. That, that's it. Yeah. Like, just do that. I, it's crazy. Crazy. Uh, Zoe concludes with, as for Negan's motivations, I appreciated that. As far as we know, he did not reach down and help Maggie up. I agree with Angela Kang that that would have been boring and expected. This is 100% in line with how ne- the Negan we know. If Maggie had been Judith or Lydia or someone we know Negan is emotionally attached to, I wouldn't buy this. But Negan is a proud, vengeful, violent, evil person. And I totally buy that Maggie's treatment of him would awaken the long dormant bully in him. I don't think it's an uninteresting plot line for Negan to be mostly reformed, but to have moments of weaknesses slash violence and to have to work overtime to convince the group he's redeemable. He's just got to play that on the finest of lines. I mean, because if he jumps too far back into his old persona, the town's going to fucking they're not going to put up with it like because, yeah. Yeah, but but if like, he but if he doesn't go far enough, he doesn't kill Maggie, then maybe he gets killed by her. Yeah, he's walking a freaking tightrope here, but I, I feel like he's gone a little too far in the old persona direction, just slightly. Yeah, and I think that like also, if you want to tell that story, like they, I don't feel like here's Negan told the story of someone who's vengeful, violent, and evil. You know, he was immature, mm-hmm. but but then again. They did throw that line where he beat the piss out of somebody for not letting his fucking song on the. So, like, maybe you're right and I'm wrong. But, like, I well, feel they, like the it's a story they told was one of, of change and growth, right? I mean, he. Right. He had all these experiences. Yes, maybe even before the apocalypse, he was a evil, vengeful person, but, you know, yeah. and taunting kids on Xbox or whatever. But he grew out of that, I thought. I thought the whole thing with his wife dying of cancer and trying to find these meds taught him. You know, he 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 remembered all that shit and he came back from that 
Negan line, but I don't and know. And it won't. Uh, and the thing is, is like if people say, well, it won't be, you know, it can't be a sudden reversal. I didn't think it was a reversal. This is stuff that's happened over seven years, like him, mm-hmm. you know, uh, being held prisoner and him like having this clandestine conversations with Judith and the other kids and then him finding that he's so relevant that no one's even claimed his bat to him breaking down and kind of like, you know, being institutionalized to him finding like, like this has been a long time coming. Um, and like, I don't like, I don't mind if they go Zoe's route and just have him be like this guy who's kind of like, cause I'd get that if you, if you got, even if you weren't violent before, if you got around for several years by just solving all your problems with gross violence, um, it would be hard to kind of slow down and be like, well, let me explain myself. Cause you could just beat their head in a baseball bat, like flashes of that being fine. But like, I Mm -hmm. guess I wish they would decide whether he is the champion that's going to try to fight and redeem himself in the eyes of his wife's memory, or he's this flawed, violent psychopath that can barely keep it together. Because like, I don't feel like those are compatible characterizations, and it feels a little bit like they're careening between those two things. They want the old Negan who's crass and crude and don't give a fuck and will say the uh, most, but they also want the new guy who has kind of walked away from all that. But yeah, we'll see. We'll see if they can uh, course correct some of this, how important these like, you know, this is in the grand scheme of things. This is one twenty fourth of the season. Mm-hmm. That's one eighth of the the fragment we're going to get right now. So um, we'll see. But I honestly, I'm 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 thinking that it's going to be an episode or two before they can start bringing people back around, because a lot of things that people are bitching about are they're going to be a natural progression of those things next episode. So yeah, there has to be. Yeah. Yeah, um, but we'll see. Like I said, I, the, the most exciting thing for me is this um, Commonwealth stuff. And other than just, you know, the ballsy move of having an escape plan with no escape plan. Uh, I thought that stuff has, has been handled pretty well. Yeah. So uh, watching dead, watching dead at baldmove.com is where you want to send an email. If you'd want to get into our next uh, feedback episode of The Walking Dead. Again, this Sunday, about 9.05 p.m., we're going to drop our full coverage of the podcast for this week's episode of The Walking Dead. Uh, Watch the episode, check our podcast out, and then join us. Uh, We record these live Wednesday at 1 p.m. on our Working Wednesday segments of uh, our our show over at twitch.tv slash baldmove. Or uh, if you're listening to the podcast uh, replay, that's fine, too. Uh, That will be out on Bald Move Pulp and, of course, our Watching Dead feed. Thanks so much. We'll hope to see you on Sunday. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jay. See you next time. <laughs>